Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry, so you can get to know more about your favorite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get started. Today's guest is Jared Lee, co-owner and roaster at Mighty Valley Coffee, a small batch and high-quality coffee roastery located in Smith Falls, Ontario. Jared and his partner Josie are new to the coffee roasting scene. They opened their doors in June 2020 and are very excited to be part of the Ottawa Valley coffee community. Hi Jared, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Thanks, it's my pleasure to get an opportunity to chat with y'all and I've been really enjoying the podcast so far. So thanks again for doing this. So, um, so tell us a bit about yourselves, like you and Josie um, and Mighty Valley. So on your website, you say that you both spent about 13 years working as tree planters in Northern Canada, living abroad and pursuing studies. Uh, when did you realize your, your passion for coffee and roasting? Yeah, well, it's uh, definitely been a gradual journey into the coffee industry. Like you said, we spent about 13 years planting trees, traveling, studies. I worked on a BA in yoga studies and philosophy and Josie's just finishing up her PhD in geography and international development studies. So those things don't really necessarily lead into coffee, but uh, there's a lot of little things that have nudged us toward coffee along the way. And uh, one of those things started when I was about a decade ago. Um, I was working as a barista in Perth, Australia. So that was my first real exposure to espresso coffee culture and pulling shots. It's a lot different than uh, the coffee culture here in Smith Falls. So yeah, loved coffee doing that. And then we were traveling some more. And in 2010, we did some volunteering at an eco lodge in the cloud forest area in, uh, in Ecuador, actually pretty close to where uh, Francis, uh, the farmer, he imports beans. So that was really neat. We got to pick some coffee and we got to do the hard work of um, taking the coffee from the plantation over to uh, the the lodge. Like the place we were staying at wasn't specifically a coffee plantation. It was more about birds, birding, things like that. But uh, they did have a coffee plantation. So that was really fun. And that was also my first experience roasting, where we roasted there in a cast iron pan and got to have really fresh coffee. And then I guess the sort of the final realization came about two years ago when we retired from the tree planting scene. And we bought a house in my hometown of Smith Falls. And at that time, we got a really nice um, uh, espresso machine, home espresso machine and grinder. Our friends in Yellowknife had inspired us and we were visiting them. And so this is our first time having a house. So we wanted to have a really nice coffee set up. And uh, so that's when I started experimenting with different beans and, and noticing how much of a, a difference really good beans made. And so I started just diving in to roasting at, at that point myself. So I went out and I got myself a, a popcorn roaster from Canadian Tire and poured some green beans in there that I was able to get from the green beanery in Toronto. And they sell just like little bits of beans. So I started trying different origins and roasting them up a little bit darker, a little bit lighter and uh, all that jazz. And uh, I was really enjoying it. 
but I was only able to roast like 70 to 100 grams at a time, which is like three shots of espresso or four. So I decided to upgrade to uh, an electric drum roaster. It's a, a Baymore. It uh, says it's a one pound roaster, but it really does better with about a half a pound. And from some of the other roasters I've talked to, that's a really common next step into the roasting to get that little electric roaster. And uh, so continued importing or, or bringing in beans and trying different ones. And uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I started giving the coffee away to my friends and family and they enjoyed it. But as I looked deeper into roasting and started to learn more, I realized that the method that the drum roaster, this electric drum roaster, was roasting the beans wasn't like super ideal. You couldn't do some of the subtle techniques that you could with some of the nicer roaster, bigger roasters. So that kind of intrigued me more that I was roasting beans, everyone loved them, but it was just basically baking the beans the whole way through. So um, I decided to make the leap and I bought a five kg Topa roaster last January. And that's kind of where it, it started. And my friends at the Four Degrees Brewing, uh, they offered to host me there. And so I rent a little space from them. So it's a nice collaboration between the, the beer and the coffee. And that's kind of why, uh, how Mighty Valley started. And, you know, just from humble beginnings and uh, in my hometown. So that's part of the reason why I named it Mighty Valley too, is because I really love this place and wanted to, a name that... Uh, was strong and show that it's proud of being from Smith's Falls. That's awesome. Yeah, that seems like it, it started really small and then it's more of a, a passion project that that grew. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. On that note, can you elaborate a little bit more on your beans and, and tell us like what the different origins are, like where they're from, all the, the different countries, um, yeah. and a little bit more about what the, the roasting process looks like for you? For sure. Well, like as a sourcing is complex, as everyone knows. So right now I'm just doing spot orders from larger importing companies and I buy specialty beans and most of the time they're certified fair trade organic, but sometimes they're not. And, you know, like fair trade, there's not one silver bullet in ensuring that everyone's treated fairly. And, uh, you know, I don't want to greenwash my business just saying that I only import uh, fair trade beans. So I think it's, it's more important to try and find the companies that have transparency, you know, good reputations, uh, high quality beans, and that will really help uh, push the, the whole industry forward. But um, yeah, I think that's why we're seeing more direct trade too in the coffee industry, because these, uh, these relationships are really important. And, um, but they're also, they're also really complex, especially now in COVID times. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think fair trade's great. And it's just in those, you know, you just always have to be critical of these larger organizations. So that's something that I take in, um, take into mind when I'm picking the beans. But, um, you know, just to talk about some of the beans I do have, um, one bean that I'm really excited about is the Cafe Feminino bean from Guatemala. And that's an all-women's cooperative. So it's a really nice program. And their bean is, is a really nice one. That one is uh, it kind of has a little bit of, I roast it medium, so like city roast. And it's really bright, a uh, little bit of sweetness left in there, hints of vanilla and uh, fresh almond and a bit of dark chocolate. 
that one's a really nice bean. Um, I also love Ethiopian beans too. It's like one of my favorite regions. So I wanted to have some of those uh, in my lineup. And so I, my dark matter that uh, I serve or I, for mostly espresso, that one's from the Yirgacheffe region. And I roast that one just, uh, I say Viennese style. So just under the second crack. So a little bit lighter than some other dark roasts for sure. But it's got some really nice subtle tea flavors and uh, yeah, kind of florally as it really classically defines the Ethiopian beans. Uh, and then I also have another Ethiopian bean that's a, a dry natural process from the Sadamo region. And that one's pretty bright. I, I roast that one light. So I drop that one just around just after the first crack. Uh, yeah, so you get some of those citrusy notes. And once again, some of like the jasmine sort of tea flavors that are really fun. I do have one blend as well. And that one is uh, the Valley House blend. And that's a mixture between the Brazilian bean as a base and then a Honduras bean in there and also an Indian Robusta bean. And I want to do that uh, blend because it's a classic espresso style, like Italian espresso style, where they add the, have the Robusta in there with the Central American and Brazilian bean. And I haven't seen many people adding Robusta into their blends, um, you know, on purpose. Like some people do it to try and bulk up their beans because they're generally cheaper. But I got this pretty nice bean from India. And when you roast up that Robusta a little bit to, and it's fresh, then it tastes pretty good too. So it adds that nice sort of um, brown spice and hazelnutty flavors to the, the blend. So yeah, I, I really enjoy the house blend as well. And I roast that one to like, city roast plus so just over a medium roast and it also works really well in the espresso machine uh but it's great in french press and and the other ones too you know in my roasting process i you know alluded to that a bit i definitely roast a bit lighter and um that's probably that's definitely the trend you know in third wave coffee is to roast just a bit lighter and uh i do that because you know i buy nice beans and i want the intrinsic flavors and the characteristics to kind of come out in those beans as opposed to uh, roasting them super dark. And um, you get, uh, I mean, that's okay too, but it's very the same flavor profile on a, on a lot of beans. If you roast it, you know, past way into the second crack, it's just going to, you're going to get those smoky flavors and charred flavors, which I'm not really going for in my roasts. I haven't really seen too many roasters that do have like beans from India so mm -hmm. that's pretty unique. Um, how did you, how do you get those, like those beans from, from India? Yeah, they, they uh, just happened to be on the spot order list from my importer and okay. uh, they're irregular as well. And so when I saw them on there and after I've also spent a lot of time in India, so I thought it would be cool to get those beans in there. And, you know, India is pretty mountainous, but not, uh, I think where they're growing the beans, that's why they're robusta bean grows really well there because there's a lot of planes and uh stuff like that but uh, yeah i just thought i'd give it a go you know yeah. bring those beans in and, and add them to the to the blend and i've also you know roasted them and tried them on their own um and that's pretty intense too if you get a triple shot of robusta okay. yeah <laughs> you, you're definitely buzzing <laughs> but i think i'd like to i've been messing around a bit with cold brew coffee and um nitro cold brew and it would be fun to have a robusta blend in the cold brew for people who really like their caffeine because i don't think there's anything out there right now that's like that and that would be 
That's true. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and on Nitro too, that would be that would be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, extra. <laughs> So um, in our conversations, you mentioned that there isn't a lot of information out there in terms of uh, commercial roasting and, and starting to roast. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and what has been your experience with learning uh, with the roasting process? Yeah, it's definitely, there's not a lot of literature out there, um, especially in comparison to brewing beer or baking bread, things like that. Uh, so I found a few really good books. Um, one is by Rob Hoos, um, Modulating Coffee Flavor, and Scott Rao has two really good books on roasting as well. Uh, I was able to find another book online by a Norwegian roaster. Um, and of course, Norwegian roasts are, tend to be really light too, so that was another sort of uh, perspective. But then after that, uh, it, it got pretty scarce. And um, oh, there's also Mill City Roasters have a great YouTube channel in a free, you know, hours of video to check out from roasting. But it just seems like roasting is a bit, um, or the, the small batch roasting or uh, specialty coffee industry is a bit further behind than say the craft beer industry. So it's just, it's growing slowly. And at least here in rural Canada, the roasting or the coffee scene in general has been dominated by bigger companies so there hasn't been as much of an opportunity for the smaller people to, to get into it. But I think that's changing, you know, and um, I'm excited to be part of that change and to, to deliver coffee that's, you know, really good and that's, um, you know, not good enough, but great coffee. But yeah, it, it's been good. You know, I, it's, it's been great learning how to roast and using some of those subtle techniques like on my roaster, it's a, uh, like I said, a 5kg roaster. And I have two temperature probes on there, one for the, the bean probe and then the airflow or the environment probe. So I can really kind of play around with what's going on, the different processes of, of the roast, you know, trying to keep the, the drying phase of the roast, uh, the mired reaction and the caramelization phase, a nice ratio between them. And that's one way of ensuring you've got really good beans and uh and then also keeping the the rate of rise that of the bean temperature steadily decelerating and that keeps you from having baked flavors like those cereal flavors and things like that and these are the techniques i learned from those couple books that i mentioned earlier from rob who's and, and scott rao and uh yeah they make a big difference when you're when you're roasting so yeah it's been it's been a blast learning these different techniques and trying to connect with different people uh, to talk about how they roast and and uh, and how I roast and how I can improve my roasting. Do you find that it's it's harder to get your hands on on the equipment, like versus you know the craft beer scene? You know, is it do you find it's it might be less accessible? Or do you think that's why it's? Uh... It definitely is less accessible. Like when I was talking earlier on about my drum roaster, um, you'll get fresh coffee out of that, but you'll never really be able to like modulate the flavors. You'll never be able to extend the mired reaction phase to like accentuate some of those subtle flavors within the beans. And um, you won't be able to roast it super dark. Uh, if you compare that to beer, you can make amazing small batch beer, you know, uh, without as much of an investment, but with coffee, you know, to, to buy like a really a nice roaster, it's super expensive. And like mm -hmm. the small roasters that are, you know, 
technical and uh, and they can do those subtle coffee modulations. Those are just as expensive as some of the big ones. Um, so that's the accessibility is is a huge thing, and you need to have a lot of uh, capital just to or the ability to get capital, get a loan to, to mm-hmm. start it up. Yeah, so it's definitely, that's, that's probably part of it. Yeah, I do think there is a, a slow shift, though, happening, as you said, that's going towards a small batch, and it's nice to, to see that, especially within our own local community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's better coffee, you know? And it's just like, when you have people who are passionate about coffee, then it, it tastes better as opposed to one big roaster you know, way over there, um, we can have lots of little roasters and there's, there's lots of space because there's like Canada drinks a lot of coffee and I think we can drink a lot better coffee too. <laughs> so that's an, it's, a, it's an exciting thing to be a part of right now. For sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you learned a lot, obviously, throughout this entire process of, of starting up Mighty Valley. So do you have any advice for any future coffee enthusiasts who might want to start their own roastery one day? you know, what is a lesson learned that you'd like to, to maybe share with them? Uh, one thing is uh, just give it a go, you know, get out there and order some green beans uh, off the web or even go to a local roaster and ask if you can get some green beans off of them and uh, just give it a try because it's a lot of fun and uh, don't be afraid to approach roasters and kind of and talk to them about their craft and and uh, and their perspective on it. I think that's one thing that kind of defines this uh, coffee uh, wave that we're we're a part of is that it's not so you know sectional. It's not people aren't trying to keep secrets about their coffee. I think the collaboration and uh, the community is going to drive our coffee experience forward, and that's going to help everybody, and everyone's going to profit from it. And so there's you know there's not a real benefit to to keeping secrets, and I think a lot of roasters around here kind of see that and they're excited to to talk to other roasters because there's not so many of them so like the more the merrier in my mind and um but when you are roasting don't roast it too dark for sure because the beans will explode (laughs) and light on fire in a cast iron pan one of my friends had that experiment i told him to go roast some beans and he said i lit them on fire (laughs) watch out (laughs) It's a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> Before the crack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Watch well, out for that second crack. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think we've uh, seen just a little bit of the, you know, the collaboration and, you know, we've seen how generous people have been in the coffee community, even as outsiders coming in, how supportive that community can be. So um, that's great to hear that, uh, you know, someone someday might approach you and ask those questions and, yeah, I hope yeah. so. So, well, thank you for joining us today, Jared. Um, before you go, can you give our listeners, um, let them know where they can learn more about Mighty Valley and where they can buy your beans? Yep. Uh, so you can check out my website, mightyvalleycoffee.com. And I've got our locations on there. And we're mostly around Smith's Falls. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm at the Four Degrees Brewing. Um, but then also the independent Anderson independent here in town. Um, and there's a arts hub that sells the beans as well. And Bowie's, uh, and say bakery and the vault eatery and pub here in town. I'll sell my beans and, uh, in Perth as well, North folk cafe, they have my beans on the espresso machine. They also sell them in the bags and they have, uh, 
a great, um, you can sell, you can buy them online too with the different products that they have uh, from, from, they're the artisan kombucha people. So yeah, they've been really great in helping. Uh, for people in Ottawa, I'm involved with the FarmScore website, farmscore.ca, I think. And it uh, has a group of different farmers and different local products. And so they deliver and you can pick up from them as well. So it's a great way for people in Ottawa to get a hold of my beans too. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les cafés. My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops. Thank you.